Good morning, and welcome to my favorite day of the week. Sunday is Celebration Day. Sunday is Let's Go to God's House Day. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. We are so glad you're here. For those who are from the house, welcome as well. This morning as we come together, I really hope you didn't walk into this park today with the expectation to leave the same way you came. I hope that you got up this morning and came with an expectancy in your heart. I don't know the kind of things you brought into this park with you. I know for some, this week has been the worst week of your lives. I know that some here are re recently divorced. I know that some are contemplating divorce because the person that you said I do to many years ago, you don't want to keep saying I do to. I do too. I know that some of you recently had a miscarriage and you're carrying the secret that you desperately need to tell someone, but you can't. I know that some just had abortions. I know that some are contemplating abortion. I know that some here today are suicidal. Some are dealing with depression. Some have just lost their business. Some who need a job, need economy. I know that we all are in brokenness and united around something that is hurting us. But I also know that some here today I just broke this, Sean. <laughs> can come up and help. I know that some of you here today are also having the best week of your life, right? We're in the middle of summer. We're in the middle of um, good things, good weather. I know that some of you are also <laughs> here with hurting ears this morning and really wishing you would have brought earplugs. I know that... Um, yeah, that th this is just the one thing that unites us. There are, there's a battle raging. It's a spiritual battle, battle, and we find ourselves either smack dab in the middle of it or coming out of a difficulty. Maybe I mentioned your burden, maybe I didn't. But this morning, I hope that you're here with an open and hungry and ready heart. So I want to ask you to do something a little bit uncomfortable this morning because who comes to church to be comfortable, right? The kid in the front, thank you for your honesty. We have one that comes to church to be comfortable. But for everyone else, I want you to take whatever that is, whatever issue, whatever thing that you just kind of been shoving to the back of your mind or pushing down to the bottom of your heart, and I want to ask you to bring it forward this morning. I want to ask you to stand where you are only if you want God to speak to you this morning. Would you stand up with me? And if you're visiting for the first time and this is uncomfortable, feel free to sit. There's no judgment in the park today. But would you stand with me and just open your hands up to the Lord? Say, God, this represents the difficulty I'm walking through. God, this represents the frustration. This represents the emptiness, the hurt. And God, I'm giving, I'm going to give it to you for the next 35 minutes. Maybe you pick it up when you leave. That's okay. But would you set that aside for the next 35 minutes and ask him to speak to you in a new and fresh way? Would you, would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we are here today and we are hurting and desperate people. God, we're broken. We're needy. And God, many of us are bearing secrets that we would never speak to our closest friend, but it is eating us alive. 
Holy Spirit, would you come and take your word and, and separate it a thousand and one different ways today to meet every person here wanting to leave transformed, wanting to leave just a little bit more like your son, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I just call all darkness into submission and repression. You have no business in this park today. All distractions will go in the name of Jesus. As you come and do what only you can do, Holy Spirit, we love you and we worship you. In the name of Jesus, God's kids said, yeah. amen. Well, this week, um, we're going through the Lord's Prayer in this whole series in the park. And this week, the sermon is Deliver Us From Evil. A, a few weeks ago, when I got the invitation to come and accepted, Megan wrote me and she said, hey, you're going to do Deliver Us From Evil. And I said, yes, this is my baby. Like, let's go. And I started thinking, you know, I'm going to show up Sunday and I'm going to preach, you know, all these things I've learned over the past 10, 20 years about how we don't fight for a victory. We fight from a victory. I'm going to go and I'm going to just raise up warriors to go and do kind of the, the battle against darkness and all the ways that the Holy Spirit equips us and how Jesus' blood covers everything. I'm going to go and we're going to talk about demons and we're going to talk about Satan and we're going to talk about his place in this world. Some of you actually, I don't even need to say that because you hear the voices in the darkness, you have the nightmares, you've seen things and you've felt things. And I thought, you know, we're going to show up and we're just going to do warfare. But then today came. And I've kind of been collecting all of these topics and getting so excited to show up and kind of kick some demonic. I'm not going to say we're at church, but, you know, we're doing this. And I, and I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to bring today? What is the essence around the spiritual battle we all go through? And you know, the crazy thing about God is sometimes you really got to be careful what you ask for. Because a lot of times he shows up and answers in ways you really don't want. And so I happened to come to church this morning having just fought this spiritual wrestling match with the Lord. He's like, you know, if you want to get to the bottom, if you want to get to the essence of delivering from evil, this is what you got to talk about. And I said, uh, probably not. Find someone else to do that message. Find someone else to say those hard things because it's just not that fun. And so the wrestling match kind of continued to go on, and I thought, well, I asked you to show me the essence. I asked you to show me the one word. And so I set my notes on the couch today, and I left them there. Because I don't think any of the things I came here hoping to preach about is what we need to hear in the park today. And you know, the saving grace of me bringing this message is you can be mad at me because in two weeks, I'm leaving the country. All right, so we're going to get into God's word today, and it's not going to be comfortable, and it's not going to be a whole lot of fun, but hopefully it will be life-changing. Kind of the essence of deliver us from evil, getting to the root of it, is the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is an incredible book. At the end of Ephesians, Paul, who had this incredible transformation, 
I'm going to explain a little bit about who Paul is before we talk about his letter. He was a man who was the best Pharisee. He had his doctorate in theology. He knew everything about all the things that church needed to, to know. He showed up in church every Sunday. He had his stuff down. He loved God so much that he went after this sect, the way, the church, saying, I'm just going to destroy them because they're against what I've always known. Well, on his way to murder many believers of the way, who we would call Christians today, he had this experience where the, the, the living God in the form of Jesus Christ appeared to him on the road and transformed his life. So this letter that we get a look at today in Ephesians is his way of saying, you know what, there's so much garbage we bring with us in religion. There's so many things we pick up along the way in our experience of church and knowing God, and a lot of that just isn't what it's about. And so church, he says, let's get back to the essence of what really matters. And so I really wanted to get to Ephesians 6, but the problem with jumping to 6 is you skip one through five. And I don't think you can go to six, which is the spiritual warfare and the armor, without walking appropriately through the letter. Now, chapters one through three are setting the premise. And I know that in the messages you guys have been talking about this, our Father in heaven, who is God, the power of God, and all of these things. So we're gonna, for the sake of time, jump to chapter four. And this morning, the topic we're gonna look at, the essence, is a very important piece of our lives that each of you, I guarantee, each one hearing my voice this morning brought with you to this park or you on the internet, have this right where you are. Whether you thought about it or not when you woke up this morning, it wasn't a piece of jewelry or clothes that you put on, it's just with you. So the essence of our message today, I want everyone to take your hand and put it over your heart, Pledge of Allegiance style. You feel that? This is the root of all evil. My evil heart. Can you say it with me? My evil heart. Some of you are saying, uh-uh, I did not bring that with me today, sister. But you did. Let's say it together. My evil heart. Deliver us from evil is God. Deliver us from the junk in here. And that's what we're going to get into today. Ephesians chapter 4 opens up in a very interesting way. If you brought your Bibles, you can turn with me. If not, I'll be reading it from right here. Ephesians 4 verse 17 says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. What Paul's about to tell us, he says, you know, everything matters, but this is one thing. You can take or leave some of the other things. I mean, if you take it, your life will be different. But this is one thing that I insist on in the Lord. He says, I insist on that you no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, in the scriptures, the Gentiles refers to kind of the world, how everyone else is living. But now that you're in the church, there's a different way to live. And if you're here this morning and you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this is for you. He says, don't live that way anymore. You need to live differently. And so if you're thinking, well, how does the world live? How do they live? He clears it up for us. 
He said they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So what Paul's saying is that it is possible, because he's writing the church, that it is possible to be a churchgoer, that it is possible to, li to live kind of this religious life, but live with a hard heart, that you are living claiming one thing, but totally living something else. And so the essence of spiritual warfare has to start with my wicked heart. Jeremiah says the heart is desperately, the heart is deceitful above all things. Anything else we can say about the heart, the one thing we can say about it is that it's deceitful and desperately wicked. If you don't like that, God said it, not me. I'm just telling you what he said, okay? So the heart is deceitful above all things. How does our heart deceive us? There are so many ways that our heart can deceive us and harden us to the word and things of God. One thing that is so prevalent in our world today is the victim mentality. This is a deceiving of the heart where I believe, operate, and live by this idea that it's everyone else's fault. I'm this way because of what happened to me in my childhood. I'm this way because my mom, X, Y, Z. Well, had my dad never, well, had my spouse never, well, you don't know what my boss said. We live with this mentality that cripples and paralyzes us because we think that our issues are everyone else's fault. Now, let me clarify. I don't know what happened to you in your childhood in your teenage years, and I am not excusing sin against you. I'm not saying it was okay, and I'm not saying it was your, your fault. What I am saying is how you live with it or deal with it is your responsibility. If you've been paralyzed by something and kept in that, deliver us from evil is coming and in, inviting God into that to take it over and transform. Deliver us from what happened in the past. Deliver us from the deceit of our own hearts. Deliver us from evil. And so Paul continues, and he says, um, due to the hardening of their hearts, verse 19, talking about the world and the Gentiles and some in the church, he says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given their, themselves over to sensu sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Our deceitful hearts, I know last week was deliver us, um, no, keep us from temptation. So you've heard and talked some about the sin, but the problem with evil is when we let sin reign in our lives, it invites all sorts of chaos into our lives. And so Paul is saying those who live in continual sin, those who continually do wrong, grow insensitive to it. What once perhaps you felt convicted over, what once perhaps you felt kind of this bad, I should not do this, the more you did it, I bet the more you didn't care. And so there's this hardening of our hearts that invites all sorts of chaos, all sorts of problems into our lives. This is uh, also very much so a part of our culture that has seeped into the church. 
He's talking specifically about impurities, sexual sins, things like that. We don't really talk about those things in church, and it does you a disservice. God talks about all of that for a reason. The creator and designer of an object or, or, or the speakers, anything on stage, knows the best way for that to function just like God knows the best way for our lives to function. And so he tells us things, you know, that thou shall not. We hate that, don't we? Oh, God's just a killjoy. He's out to steal my fun. He is not. God knows you so well and loves you so deeply that he wants to keep you from what will harm you most so you can have your best life now. With my two-year-old son, he's three now, but when he was turning one, he had this candle on his cake. He desperately wanted to touch it and grab it, and I told him, no, don't touch the candle, kid, right? But I came to the point where I thought, you know what? This is, okay, I don't know how this story goes over here, but. I let him touch the candle. And his birthday had this kind of segment of tears, this like parentheses of pain in the middle of his first birthday. But I let him do that because do you think he touches the candle anymore? No, he doesn't. And so sometimes God says, these are the things you don't do, but if you don't believe me, I'm gonna give you over to it and you live it and suffer the consequences because he loves you and wants you to turn from it. He is such a good, good daddy, a good father. He's so loving. And so all his do nots are so we can be released to do the things he wants us to do. As we move on in the text, he begins to tell us how then we can be delivered from the evilness of our hearts and live this Christian life. We're going to kind of rush through a few verses and then hit some really important ones. In verse 20, he says, You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. What way? The live how you want to live kind of life. He said, you didn't come to know Christ as that he's kind of an add-on and, you know, I'm going to keep living the way I want to live and do my Sunday thing. He's like, stop that. You want a life that works? You want a life full of joy, peace, purpose? Just get back to the basics and follow what he's already told us to do. So it says, verse 21, Surely you heard of him and were taught in, accord in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says all the things you used to do, all the past, all the, all the things that cluttered and ruined your life, put those off. Stop it and live differently. Why? Because sin is deceitful. I'm told that in Alaska, there is a group of Eskimos or something that uh, were hunters. And how they would hunt was very clever. They would take a knife, a very sharp knife, and they would bathe it in blood. They would freeze it, take it out, bathe it again, freeze it, take it out, until the blood around the knife formed a very hard ice chunk. 
They put it in the snow and they would wait. The wolves would smell it and they would come and they would begin licking it. As they would lick it, their tongues would become numb. As they continued to lick it, they didn't even feel that the warmness on their tongue was their own blood. In the process of licking, their tongues had become sliced open and they were eating themselves to death until they died. That is the nature of sin. It is so deceitful, it looks so good, it tastes so good. Those drugs, that alcohol, sex, all of these things, pornography calls to the flesh. And as we go and we begin indulging in it, this whole passage tells us we become uh, insensitive, we don't even notice it anymore. And all of a sudden, we're killing ourselves. We're killing our joy and purpose and peace. And we wonder why we're so miserable. Who do we blame? Our wicked hearts? No. We usually end up getting angry at God and asking, why do you let my life be so miserable? Could it be? that we've been licking the knife of sin for too long. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, verse 25, and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Oh, the evil in this. Speak truthfully. We can't even handle the truth, to be honest. We are so good at kind of creating this fake image of who we are and showing all the good on Facebook, social media, kind of creating who we hope or want to be. There's no honesty left among us. And yet you're sitting behind the phone wondering if you're the only one that feels this miserable. Wonder as you're posting my perfect vacation, which we all know behind the scenes, right? The crying kids, the yelling, the just put your seatbelt on, all of these things. But yet we, we give this reality and then we wonder, am I the only one that feels this bad? Scripture says, put off the falsehood. Just be honest. Life is hard sometimes. And I realize why you don't want to do that, because you yourself are part of those gossip circles that bring up other people's junk. We don't want to be honest, because we know that anything we say can or will be used against us in our circle of friends or in our church. Whew. See, there's enough wickedness and evil just in this park. We don't even have to get to politics. My wicked heart. So Paul says, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully, and when you do speak, don't talk about others. He continues on. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. We could camp out on this for probably three weeks and still not reach the bottom of it. Paul doesn't say it's wrong to be angry. He's saying what you do with anger is where sin happens. In your anger, do not sin. What do we do in our anger? We often do the gossip thing, assaulting others with our words, 
in your anger do not sin. There's so much to say about that, but I don't think I need to because you live with you and you know what happens in your anger. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Paul is so good about just reminding us, you know what, all the junk from today, make sure you deal with it before you go to bed. Because Jesus said, tomorrow's going to have enough problems of its own. We aren't good at this. We are good about bringing yesterday's problems in today and on and on and on. And we wonder why we're so miserable. Could it be that we don't stop to deal with yesterday's problems, that we don't stop to deal with the anger of last week, last month, let alone last year? Part of the thing bogging you down so much is unresolved conflict in your home, in your marriage, in your church, in your job, in yourself. This isn't easy. All the answers are here, but it's not just here it is, your life has changed. You kind of kind of do some work. You kind of got to do this heart check. It's not easy. Now this is the verse that brings it to kind of the spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is simply the cosmetic war between good and evil, between God and Satan. We do have an enemy, his name is Satan. He's not a cartoon with horns and a pitchfork, he's a real live being that is out wreaking havoc on the world. But it says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do you realize that unresolved conflict and ongoing anger gives Satan permission to get in your life and do what he pleases? You mean he's here because I invited him? Yeah. Do not give the enemy a foothold. A foothold is grabbing you. If you ever felt like you just can't get on with life, you feel stuck. Could it be that you've already given the devil a foothold to keep you right in that place? That when you remember that person or that name from years ago, you feel just as much pain as you did when it happened to you? The good news is Jesus came and paid for all of that. You don't have to keep living like that. The bad news is many of us don't know that he paid, don't want to deal with it, or we're just so busy blaming everyone else that we stay stuck in that foothold. He goes on to say, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. This could also be a multiple piece message because we see such abuse of the system right now, don't we? Able-bodied people that should be working. There shouldn't be so many signs around Clear Lake and Mason City for jobs. We still live in a city that has a really big population. But there's so many people in 
I'm not, I'm not trying to justify or get into a political argument. I'm just saying what, these were issues back then too, okay? That's why God's word is always relevant because it speaks to every time in really real and practical ways. But he says, hey, if you're stealing, whether it's from the government because you really don't need it, or it's from a store, shoplifting, anything, he's like, stop doing that and get a job so that you can be part of the solution, so that you can give to those who do not have. Do you realize a lot of the evil right now and the tension politically is because of my evil heart. I'd rather stay home and get a paycheck than go work. If we all just dealt with these issues in ourselves, there'd already be a rippling change through this city and nation. Get a job. Some of you just came today to hear that. You know, I'm not even, yeah. We'll just keep going. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Some of you need to hear this today. Watch your mouths because the words coming out of them are destroying people. We'll just go back to Bambi. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. So many of us are so busy trying to build up our own identity and our own sense of security and value because we feel so unloved and we feel so unworthy. And the way we do it is by putting others down. Do you know that when you put someone down, the shoving of them brings you down with them? Because you can't hold someone down without going down yourself. Watch what you say. This is hard for me. All of these things I'm talking about aren't just for you, it's for me too. It's so easy to put others down to make myself feel validated. Would you do a heart check on that evil heart and the things coming out of it? We're coming up to the end of this particular chapter. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All of these things mentioned are so grievous to the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a thing. He's not a feeling. He's not an emotion. He's a person. And he grieves when we sin. He grieves when we live with this junk. He grieves, number one, because it's against him, but secondly, because he knows you could live differently. He knows there's so much better for you. He knows that the son died and paid the most precious price for your freedom. The very last part, we're going to do two more verses says verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Bitterness, scripture tells us, is rottenness to the bones. Bitterness is unforgiveness, destroying your body, soul, and spirit. Malice is something we don't really talk about. I didn't even know what it was till I moved to Peru and 
I learned about it there. Malice is thinking you already know what someone else is thinking. Well, she didn't look at me today because da 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 da. Thinking the worst of others. Thinking you know their heart intention. And often that's an overflow of the bitterness and unresolved conflict in your own heart. The very last verse. Right now in our world, justice is kind of a buzzword, right? Do you know that God talks about justice for Christ followers? This is what justice looks like for everyone who claims to follow Jesus Christ. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, for, Christ God or Christ, God in Christ Jesus forgave you. The justice for a believer isn't getting even, isn't making sure that I'm paid back. Justice for a believer is forgiving just as God has forgiven you. And this morning, as we're coming to the end of this, I know it's not a five-point message that's easily categorized. I know it's more like a buckshot instead of a slug because it goes across everyone, right? But if there's anything in God's word today that kind of pierced your heart, would you take some time as we're closing with this song to do the hard work, to do the hard thing? Moving a little further in Ephesians, it says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of all, every opportunity because the days are evil. Deliver us from evil is using this moment right now to deal with your wicked heart. We want to be wise, friends. We want to be wise and prepared for what's coming. So I invite you as we close. Would you close your eyes where you are? Kind of tune out who's around you, what's being said, the kids playing. Tune into the heart of daddy. First, you need to know that you are so loved. You can do the prodigal son, please. You can do the prodigal.